Hey there, this is Stephen McIver from Sky Sport New Zealand. You know New Zealand? You know the seventh state or sixth state of Australia? You're listening to White Line Fever with the great. Well, he's not so great. You've got to... Actually, no, he's all right. It's Steve Mascord, who apparently likes Kiss, likes ACDC, and even Van Halen. So that's not such a bad thing, because I like my glam rock too. So here it is. White Line Fever. Welcome to episode 11 of White Line Fever. Let's go way back to the start of the week, back to Tuesday, where the um, Harlequins rebranded themselves, or rebranded as in they were once called <laughs> the London Broncos, and they are again. I'm here with the Chief Executive, Gus Mackay. Now, the original reason for them being called London Broncos, was there was a corporate reason. The Brisbane Broncos had a, a big stake, didn't they? That's right. We, we go back uh, you know, way before my time, and that's how, how the Broncos were, were born. But I think you know, whatever ha- that happened with that agreement... Um, it, 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 it parted company, moved away, but the name of, of London Broncos very much remained in everyone's uh, hearts in London, and that's it's been a big decision for us to get to where we are today. We've looked at loads of other names, uh, other ideas, uh, but people, if you go down the street today and ask people about the London Broncos, they will associate that with rugby league. Mm. And, and but you still have, even though you're not called Harlequins anymore, you ha- still have a corporate connection with them, don't you? Is it is it just the lease agreement on the stoop, or are there other uh, is there an, other connections? No, it, it's very simply the agreement is a very much a uh, we are the tenants at the stoop, uh, and therefore we pay we pay a fee to, to play there. Uh, that that agreement is up for renewal at the end of next season, but we're in discussions about a new agreement, um, and so we have a very good relationship with with, with the rugby club with Harlequins uh, and a brand that we respect and, and thank them for the support they've given us uh, over the last five or six years and they acknowledge that it's time to break away um, and it gives ourselves the good opportunity now to be a standalone brand and, and market our game what we see fit to do. You say break away but you, you're looking at extending your tenancy at the two. Yeah when I talk about break away I'm talking about as in, as in the, the name of, of Harlequins. Um, where we are with, with ground uh, and where we should play is, is, is up for debate and a question mark and what we want to do is actually work through that process over the, the course of the next 12-18 months to actually see what other venues are available who may want to partner with us um, and actually identify where we should be. I think you know one of the big problems that we have is we are a rugby league team in a, in a, uh, a stone's throw of the, the main stadium, uh, Twickenham. Uh, which everyone associates with the union. So those have been challenges, um, but we firmly believe now that we can that there's a market. Um, you know, and I think the figures encouraging amount of, of people going to Four Nations this weekend that are London-based, um, and we got to tap into those. So hopefully, with some success on the pitch, we can get people through the gates, and that's why taking some games on the road, um, which I know is done in, in, in Australia, is is quite a good way of taking the game to to a new audience. Uh, and having a se- separate marketing strategy for that game. We're at the London Film Museum and uh, Martin Fire is here. Now, the, I'm old enough to remember there being uh, ads on the tube with Martin Fire leading up to uh, Anglo-Australian test matches. Yeah. Um, it, it's obviously a, a black hole, London, as far as advertising is concerned. Does the RFL have the amount of money or resources to promote rugby league in London that way anymore, or is it just more expensive now than it was back then? Yeah, and that's a very good question, because one of the discussions uh, that we're having at the moment is that we are very much part of a significantly strategic market for the RFL, along with with Wales and France, so we are looking at what additional resources we can get to actually implement and put into our marketing activity down here. So there's a couple of things that uh, we'll be doing um, over the course of this week and you know over the coming weeks to actually get that name um, out there. I mean, one of the biggest challenges is is we want to be competing with other sporting brands, um, and that is a challenge in itself. So you've got to do that a little bit more. Football's easy, cricket's easy, but rugby league, you've got to do that a little bit more to get the name out there. So that, we're looking at all that marketing campaign. 
Thanks for talking to us, Gus, and good luck with the new old brand. Thank you very much. Welcome back uh, to White Line Fever. That was a song called Can't Remember, Can't Forget off the Answers new album, which is called uh, Revival. We've already played one song off. It's awesome. Now we're going to talk about the Four Nations. We've moved on to week two, uh, and it was uh, New Zealand 36, Wales nil. I'm here with Aaron Lawton from Fairfax, New Zealand. Well, you got a win, finally, or the Kiwis got a win. Um, was that enough? Yeah, well, I mean, we've just uh, heard Stephen Cooney talking about the match, and he seems pretty happy. Benji Marshall seems pretty happy. Before the game, Stephen's been talking about completion rates. He wanted a near-perfect performance from the Kiwis. It wasn't so much about getting the win, it was about winning well. 
36-0 would suggest that they won well, but if you look back in the cold light of day, there were still some issues for the Kiwis. Still not perfect. A lot of uh, issues with completion rates and that sort of thing. So, you know, it's going to be a big big game next week against England. And a bit of news out of the rooms, it was never going to last 36 hours till the next paper comes out. <laughs> <laughs> Sam McKendry uh, out for the rest of the tournament, so that leaves their stocks a bit bare as well. Yeah, well, I mean, Sam McKendry out for the tournament with what I understand is a broken jaw. I think he's in hospital at the moment getting it looked at. And then you look at the fact that Fui Fui Moi Moi early in the first half came off with what is an ankle injury. Uh, you know, that's a bit concerning for the Kiwis because you look at it, who do, do they bring someone over if they need to? I mean, uh, the reality is if they decide tomorrow on a, what, a Sunday over here is Monday back home, then the guy's going to get on the plane on a Tuesday and only get here by, what, Thursday or something. It's, you're looking a bit too late to add someone in for a big game against England. So that's a, that's a big concern because McKendry was awesome before he went off as well. He was really impressive. I think a large proportion of our very uh, skinny numbers of listeners are journalists. So tell us uh, what the tour has been like for you so far. Has it been pretty cruisy? You've been enjoying it? Has the team been cooperative and helpful? It's actually been a great old tour, actually. I've done a few other things like Cricket World Cup in India and that sort of thing. This has definitely been my favourite trip so far. A lot of downtime. As, uh, as we all know, a lot of Kiwis over here as well. My younger brother lives in London, so I've spent a bit of time with him. Um, had a few drinks, gone out, enjoyed the place. The public transport is excellent. Auckland probably needs to learn from a place like London. It would be a wonderful city if we had the same sort of tube system. But, yeah, no, great tour. Kiwis have been excellent, had a lot of access. I, I really can't complain. Yeah, well, uh, you're giving London Transport a wrap. You haven't tried to get home on a Saturday night yet. <laughs> you know, all, everything's closed. The tube's always closed for, uh, for uh, refurbishment and all that sort of stuff. Thanks for talking to us, Aaron. Here's Alice Cooper with I'll Bite Your Face Off.
That was Alice Cooper with I'll Bite Your Face Off from the Welcome to My Nightmare album. In a short while, we're going to be talking to Kieran Foran, uh, still discussing the win by New Zealand 36-0 over Wales at Wembley on Saturday. But first, uh, a little bit of um, a little bit of housekeeping as per usual at this stage in the program. This week's discussion topic, and you can have your say at uh, whitelinefever.ning.com, was Rugby League's return to Wembley a success or was the 42,000 crowd small and the Welsh performance disappointing? A wide variety of opinions here. Uh, Simon Cooper has uh, commented, 42,000 is okay. The game needs to keep taking games back to Wembley and build England v Australia as an event, not just a rugby league game. The media show way more interest than holding a game in some northern town. Wales did the best they could, but it will take the same time as it took with France. It's all a matter of patience with developing the game. So go to whitelinefever.ning.com and uh, tell, tell me what you think. Uh, on uh, Facebook, it is the stevemascord.com Facebook page. Uh, that's facebook.com forward slash stevemascord.com. All one word, no dot in there. Uh, and also on Twitter, I am the real Stevis. After we speak to Kieran Foran, we're, we're going to have a song. It's a request from Maria Hawthorne. It's a rare, a uh, deep cut, I think they call them, uh, from The Darkness, who I'm going to be seeing on Tuesday night in Liverpool. It's a song called Shake Like a Lettuce Leaf. Then after the break, Ian McCulloch from AAP is going to pick over the bones of Australia's 36-20 win over England in the second game on Sunday. And then we're going to hear one final song, a new one from Steel Panther, and that'll be it for this week. Thanks for tuning in to White Line Fever. Kieran, what was it like out there playing at Wembley Stadium? Yeah, it was great. It, um, yeah, kind of a surreal experience. I, you know, heard um, I've always heard about Wembley Stadium and wanted to uh, get the opportunity to play on it. It's an, an amazing surface and yeah, great atmosphere. Um, yeah, I think it, we didn't even have the, the ground half full, but um, you know, it, was, it still felt yeah, yeah, pretty good out there. Is it a relief to get a victory? Yeah, it is. My, um, it's funny, I was thinking, thought after the game, I had to remind myself that it was my sixth game and that, that was my first win. So, um, yeah, it's a pretty special day for me today. I got my first win in the um, Kiwi Jumper. What about at half-time? You're well in control and, and made the scoring slowed down a little bit. Was that the Welsh sort of uh, had a bit of a sting in the tail or, or, do you, or do you think things didn't go so well for the Kiwis in the second half? I think a bit of both. Um, you know, we, we spoke about it at half-time that we didn't want the second half to go that, the way that it did. You know, we, we said it, uh, at half-time that we wanted to um, go out there and, and pretty much do what we had done in the first half and control the ball and, and continue to defend well and score points. But um, we didn't do that. We, we turned over too much footy and... In saying that, I think the Welsh put up a, a pretty good fight in the second half, probably a bit more than they did in their first. I think you made your debut in the um, the loss to England in t- two years ago. Very similar circumstances to next week, perhaps. We don't know what's going to happen in the second game out here today, but you think there's some lessons to learn from that night in Huddersfield? Oh, for sure. Uh, it seems like a while ago um, now, but um, it was only, yeah, only two years ago that I um, made my debut there. So, um, you know, that, that was a great experience again. And, and like you said, you know, it's, it's funny circumstances because it's kind of happening all over again next week. So um, I'll, be, I'll be confident and I know the team is and we'll all be looking, looking to go get the win. You probably won't be in the centres next week. Thanks, thanks for talking to us, Kieran. <laughs> probably won't. I'll see you later.
what's up? This is Scott Ian. This is Rob Caggiano of Anthrax, and you're listening to White Line Fever. Welcome back to uh, White Line Fever. I'm here with Ian McCulloch from AAP, and we're talking about Australia 36, England 20. Now, the big problem with this week's program is that there wasn't enough rock and roll in it, but there is now because we're at the World's End, which is a great Camden Town rock and roll landmark. Uh, Ian, it's uh, the day after. We usually work on Sundays. What's it like to have a Sunday off? I haven't really had a Sunday off, Steve. I was up at 9... 9.30 this morning for a, a Billy Slater um, presser at the Australian Hotel. Um, Billy had his arm in a sling and he was there with his wife just to uh, let us know that he was going under the knife to uh, tomorrow morning at a top uh, private London hospital. Um, he'll be out for about 8 to 12 weeks, but he's confident he'll be back for the start of the NRL season. So good news for Storm. It is. Um, now, looking back to yesterday, Australia, despite Billy's absence, Australia must be overwhelming favourites for the tournament now, would you agree? Oh yes, I mean, they, they looked like yesterday even when they are under pressure, they could step up another gear and score a try you know, when they needed to really, but however, Cameron Smith told me after the game yesterday that you know, he was concerned with the first half performance, he felt that they turned the ball over too freely, um, gave England opportunities to score, and you know, had Kevin Sinfield had his ticket boots on then you know, the scores would have been um, would have been level at half time Now as the listeners will probably be able to tell that your accent, you're from this part of the world, really, south of England? I am, I'm a London boy from West London, not too far away from here, but uh, I lived in the Camden area for nine years before I moved over to Sydney, so I know around here quite well. It's uh, nice to be home, and it's, uh, it's turning quite cold now. The weather's been good to us so far, but it's uh, beginning to... <laughs> now, uh, we've got System of a Down playing in the background. I'm sure you've uh, never been to see them. Um, but are you, were you a regular around this Camden Town area? Did you go to World's End a few times? Oh, I've been here a few times, yeah. Normally to have one here and go on somewhere else, but I love Camden. It's a great spot. There's a, a number of great pubs around here. There's a, a really good music bar I used to go to called the Dublin Castle, which is just down the road, and uh, numerous bands made their first uh, appearance there. Madness, for, I don't know if you remember Madness, so they made their first gig there. And I, uh, I saw a band there called uh, Dinosaur Junior. Yes. Massive band. Yeah, yeah, saw them. Jay Mascus. Yes, saw them in there in about, about six years ago. So it's, uh, it's a great spot around here, great music venue. And... It is now. Um, it's just as well we're re-recording this interview because I got all the order wrong yesterday. Um, I back announced the Alice Cooper song and I shouldn't have done that. So we're going to forward announce the song now. Have you ever heard of Steel Panther? No. Steel Panther are a uh, they're a band from Hollywood. They used to be called Rock School and they're a uh, parody heavy metal band. And um, because of the sport slash rock theme of this uh, program, the song's called Just Like Tiger Woods. I've never heard it. I can't wait to hear it. I can just imagine what the lyrics are about. Thanks for being on the program. No problem, Steve.